0: The rat. The rat. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Curiosity Killed the Rat. My name is Matt. I am a science enthusiast. We have a dog at the door who wants to come in. <laughs> I'm hoping that his scratches will be quiet enough that it's not picked up by the microphone. But you know what? We'll discover that in post. Before we jump into it, I want to first acknowledge that we are both... Speaking from <gasps> Oh my god Wadandi country Yes We are both here in person For our Probably maybe Once a year Or once every two years Special where we're actually Able to do it Because COVID Truly, And this borders This is the third
1: time ever And this is season three So There we
0: go It's a once a season Once a season Tis We have an season. in-person, <laughs> we're an in-person episode We're actually able to Record in the same room together
1: <laughs> And watch Body line. Oh the band is going to be Top notch We've oh, promised it now And well, now don't, I feel like Don't, don't
0: set it up on. like that Kate Now they Jeez. Now they're expecting something well, speaking of which who the fuck are you
1: god don't ask so difficult questions so early on in the show who am i <laughs> what am i why am i um yes hi everyone i'm kate and i am also a science enthusiast as it happens mm-hmm. uh, I just, that struck me as you introduced yourself as a science enthusiast i was like you know what that's all that label also fits me that's true um but i'm so enthusiast enthusiast enthusiastic about science that I've done several degrees in it, and oh, I am, in fact, what one may, in fact, call a scientist. As such, I am the show's resident scientist. My name is Kate. I don't know if I even said that. I'm going to say it again. If I did, this is going swimmingly. <laughs> I'm Kate. I'm a scientist. I'm a neuroscientist specifically, but I'm not going to be talking about neuroscience today.
0: No, no, no.
1: Um, I'm going to be talking about stingrays. I'm going to be fucking talking about stingrays, because you want to know why? Why? I mean, you know why. But listeners, why. Listeners, you want to know why? Because, you know, as Matt just said, we're both here in person and in person being in Western Australia, which is not where I live. It's where I'm currently holidaying for the first time that's been allowed. Because
0: <laughs> we've had our minutes. borders shut tight for a spicy long time. Oh,
1: it's been, <laughs> yep. But I'm here and I just the other day went down to a gorgeous little place in the Southwest called Hamlin Bay. Love it. Where there are some fucking awesome stingrays that like. Oh my gosh, there were a few different, a couple of different species that we saw down there, but they they were, some of the bigger ones that were there, there were about five of these big black, um, smooth, what are called whiptail stingrays that literally like wingspan of maybe meter and a half like which is crazy they were huge majestic beasts and like little known fact about kate is that kate has been very enthused by stingrays ever since i was a kid like Mm. i've i have frothed stingrays i couldn't tell you why i have never really like done much research into stingrays until like before this podcast but like as a kid for some reason they were just my favorite like aquatic animal i've just i've just thought stingrays are the bees knees they're the fucking coolest they're just like pancake things with like Eyes I mean, and... it makes
0: sense, right? Compared to what most other fish look like, they're completely different. They're weird. And they're unique. quirky. They're, they're not like... like other fish. Exactly. They're like just... me.
1: I mean, I'm <laughs> you're not... not
0: like other fish.
1: <laughs> not like other people. I'm weird and quirky.
0: Like, I'm sure if you broke down the, you know evolutionarily where stingrays come from which we may or may not go into i don't know what you've prepped for this but like you know looking at a stingray from the outside it looks nothing like any other fish but i'm sure if you mm. saw its bone structure you could see where it relates to other fish and what fish right. it is related do to you're gonna
1: blow your fucking mind do it uh it's related to sharks and it doesn't Ooh. have bone structure because it's a a cart- a cartilage thing it's a cartil- cartilaginous fish like ah. like sharks right
0: so a sharks its closest relative that aren't rays? well i mean
1: that aren't rays right so you've got yeah. stingrays and you've got manta rays and you've got these things called skates which are not quite stingrays but also kind of that flat pancake fish type thing but i want to talk about stingrays. so
0: imagine a wakeboard with a tail but don't stand on
1: them <laughs> but don't stand on them. <laughs> um yeah and, and don't stand on a stingray we'll get to that in a second but yeah um they're part of a cartilaginous group of fish with no bone structure which means it's actually been very hard to kind of track how old they are because like it's hard to find fossils of things that don't have bones yeah so most of the fossil records and stuff we have of stingrays and like where they came from or whatever is is teeth they have teeth um, yeah right and scales
0: just like sharks where we find massive shark jaws which is how mm. we know the megalodon was real but we have no other trace of it because it was all cartilage yeah. and that just fucked off to history
1: yeah but i feel like shark sharks look more like what you think a fish shape just big right yeah but rays i
0: because <laughs> rays don't do because normally the way one would differentiate a water mammal from a fish is its swimming pattern right like that's how you tell the difference between a dolphin and a shark at a distance a dolphin does that up and down mm. swimming motion whereas the shark does that the side to wobbly. side wibbly wobbly squiggle motion you know whereas yeah. a stingray
1: it uses what the its fu- flaps, it flaps which which <laughs> it's wings or which are actually called it's pectoral fins if you want to you know but yeah the essentially the wings the flippy flappies and that's what it uses to move Um, and it moves in different ways and i'm kind of talking about stingrays as though they're one thing but you know of course uh, there are actually about 220 at least 220 known species of stingrays which can be grouped into eight different families so you've got I'm just going to run through the eight different families real quick yeah. and I'm not going to go through the scientific names of them because I considered writing down all the Latin names and I was like, I'm not going to be able to pronounce any of these. <laughs> and I know I do it sometimes on a show where I try and pronounce it and it's just like a bit of comedic value, but I'm not going to do that eight times and bastardize all of them. Yeah. So we'll go with the non-Latin version. So you've got what's called the Sixgill Stingray, the Deepwater Stingray, the Stingeries, the round rays, the whiptail stingrays, the river stingrays, butterfly rays and eagle rays. So what I saw down at Hamlin Bay, I saw I think there were about 5 of the big whiptail stingrays, the black ones, which um uh, I did actually write down Dascyartus. I'm you know what? But and also I saw one little eagle ray, yeah. which was the Myliobatis uh okay. family of ray and oh, majestic fucking I yeah but like there's such a range in size and weight of these things so like stingrays can be some of the smaller ones can be less than 70 centimetres sort of in length. So we're talking nose to end of tail.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and this is like full grown, obviously baby ones are going to be smaller, but if we're talking full grown, some of them full grown size, they're like 70 centimeters, but some of the bigger ones can go up to like four meters in length. Ooh, is and that like, like, two like two the manta across. rays? And... No. So manta rays, oh, I actually wrote down because I was like, I bet you Matt's going to ask me what's of the course. difference between stingrays and manta rays. So let me just like flick to, there's a few different differences but like manta rays are fucking huge yeah so they can get up to a wingspan so that's side to side mm. of up to seven meters so stingrays biggest stingrays oh are like two God. meters mantas can be seven meters across
0: hold on let me just
1: so if you remember it was a couple of years ago no. we went snorkeling up in ningaloo reef yeah um, yeah and some of the mantas that we saw up there were huge, but they were maybe four meter wingspan. And I was some of the biggest ones that we saw, which was like huge. So like, but double that they can be these majestic and they can weigh up to 1300 kilograms. This is the manta rays. So stingrays, they go up to, The biggest ones being the smooth whiptail rays, which are some of the ones found off the coast of Australia. Yeah. That have that like four metre length, two metre wingspan, weigh up to 350 kilograms, which is still fucking huge for like Mm. the size of the thing. Like I don't, they must be pretty dense boys. There must be a lot of cartilage in there, right? I mean, that's the
0: advantage of being an aquatic creature, right, is that it allows you to grow to such massive sizes because Mm. you have buoyancy on your size. Like creatures Mm. that big don't often exist on land or they're more rare, which is why we don't have megafauna around anymore. Even
1: like if you think 350 kilos, but then you like, you think, yes, the rays were big, right? You're thinking maybe like a two meter diameter of the the disc bit, if you just ignore the tail for the moment, right? I still wouldn't think that that would weigh 350 kilos. Yeah, no,
0: that is got a a lot of organs in there, I guess, because it's not... I don't know, is cartilage more or less dense than bone? I would assume less dense, right? Because
1: I don't actually know. Their,
0: their, their weight clearly isn't coming from bone density. I feel like, I mean, this is just me fucking spitballing. Mm. I, I'm not a biologist by any means, but I imagine where the majority of weight of land animals and land mammals comes from is bone density. Or maybe it's Muscle. not. Maybe it's the organs and things because water is fucking heavy and that's what 90% of...
1: Well, yeah, they've got to be able to, especially, like, because rays are, like, to, they're, they're what we call bottom feeders. Lol. Cue laughter. <laughs> um, but, it, like, they, you know, they hang out in, on, on the surface, like, the, mm. the ground, right, in the sediment, in the sand. The, especially, like, some of the, the deep water stingray, right? Like, think of the immense amount of pressure on yeah. these animals. Like, they need to be dense and hefty to withstand the water pressure and not, like, pop right? Yeah. Um, and they hang out on the bottom of, of the water because like, that's how they, that's how they like feed. Okay. So this is, this is a great segue to kind of talk about how they hang out on the bottom and feed and like to, you know, bury themselves in the sand. So let's just like, think about a stingray for a second, paint, paint you a little picture. You know, you've got the dish, you've got the tail at the back, the eyes are on top and the mouth is on the bottom. Right. So
0: how do they see what they're eating? Which is I guess the um, eyes are to look out for predators, right?
1: Yeah, um, they have this really cool superpower where they can sense electricity. It's fucking cool. We'll oh. get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but this is another difference between the manta ray. So a manta ray, the mouth is normally like at the front because yeah. mantas they eat plankton. They're, they're they have those
0: pinty, pinty they're things. They're bloody
1: um, what's it called? Filter feeders. So they, yeah they they have plankton and stuff whereas stingrays have these fucking massive jaws with powerful like jaws that can crush they eat like crustaceans and like mollusk shells and small fish and like some of the river ones eat like insects and stuff i guess
0: the difference between what you would call a typical shark versus a whale shark yeah they're both sharks but the whale shark is a massive filter feeder Mm. and the um, Other sharks, great whites, EG. they eat bigger f- things. Yeah,
1: so stingrays have these like powerful jaws that can crush hard shells and stuff mm. under, under their body. So what they do is they hang out on the fucking floor of the ocean or the river or whatever. Because, you know, once again, about 220 different species, the different habitats that they exist in is hugely varied. They're Do you pretty get much, freshwater rays? Yeah. You Ooh. get freshwater rays, you get saltwater rays, you get all sorts of everything, but a lot of them use this and you know, the diet depends on the ray and its habitat and whatever, but they use this really cool fucking technique when they're hanging out on the sea or river floor and it's, it's essentially ambush hunting. So mm. they're disguised, mostly buried under the sand apart from their little eyes and their little like I'll, I'll get to that. They've got these little almost nostrils as such that kind of pop out the top um, so that they're not breathing in, breathing quote unquote water that has sediment in it. Um, but underneath is where their mouth is. So what they do is once they sense their prey nearby, whether they you know hear it or see it or electrical sense it, and we'll get to that. They do this technique called tenting where they keep their pectoral fins, so their wings, down on the ocean floor. They lift their head, which is, like, in the middle of their body. So picture, like, coming up into, like, a tent shape. And this creates, like, essentially a suction force. You get this negative space Mm. under it, and it's like a suction cup. And it literally, like, sucks the prey, like, with this, like, suction force into their mouth. And then they go, crush!
0: So it, rather than you, like, we would create suction forces using our cheeks and our tongue and our m- muscles that are in our mouth. Mm, Whereas like they're using their, 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 their whole, whole body,
1: body is their cre- cheek yeah. muscles so to bring it to their mouth, which is like a pure hidden, jaw. They're ambushed, And then all of a sudden they sense prey nearby. The prey has no shot. It's just sucked in gone done and you didn't even don't even fucking see it coming (laughs) it's absolutely and then
0: in terms of how it detects it you already hinted at this like i would have guessed maybe vibrations and things like that if you're on the 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 sea floor and that but you said electricity
1: yeah all right let's talk about this yeah so yeah they don't just rely on the sight or cell this the cell the smell of the prey um which they do like they can Mm. do both of those things but they have this it's it's a superpower in my mind uh, it's called electroreception or electroception depending on who you ask and sharks can do it as well also uh like a lot of other marine well not a lot of other but a few other marine animals can because uh you know water very good at conducting electricity better than air yes um and but you know just fun little weird side note bees can also do this, they can sense electricity Mm. and they use it to like, so bees generate this like positive charge when they fly through the air Um, and then when they like land on a flower it like seeps out the charge and so bees use it to tell whether a flower has recently been visited by another bee because they can sense based on the electrical charge of that flower.
0: Well that's an insanely cool fact to just drop in randomly. Right?
1: (laughs) I, I discovered this while researching electroreception in rays and sharks and it was like oh yeah, and also the platypus because it needed another reason to be quirky and weird and fucking cool we should do we should definitely
0: do an episode on the platypus in the future
1: oh just monotremes in general yeah yes absolutely that is a future episode that i wish to do amazing um they the way bees do this electroreception and platypus do this electroreception is different to the way sharks and rays do it sharks and rays do it in a very similar way so we'll talk about that Mm. but yeah it's it's really cool the way they do it and so they, we think that they mainly do it to sense prey, but there is also some possibility, but it's under scientific debate. I found kind of conflicting viewpoints on this, that they maybe also use this electroreception to like help navigate using like the earth's magnetic, electromagnetic sort of yeah. fields and forces, which fucking cool. But essentially they have these little sensors around the mouth called ampullae of lorenzi and <laughs> okay yeah they're these
0: i guess a bloke named lorenzi discovered them
1: <gasps> i think i assume so that's generally how these things get named yeah um but they f- they form essentially like a network of these little mucus filled pores right and we sort of knew and when i say we i mean scientists uh, <laughs> have known for a long time before i was born that these things existed on rays and sharks but they didn't really know what they did. Right. So early in the 20th century, like we had no idea what these little mucus filled, we knew they were sensors of some kind and early experiments kind of suggested that maybe they were sensing temperature. They showed some sort of response to temperature, maybe mechanical pressure or salinity. So like how salty the water is. Um, it wasn't until 1960 that they first figured out that most convincingly, these little sensors respond to changes in electrical potential around fish. And so then like subsequent experiments have, have since found and, you know, more or less confirmed that that's what these sensors are most responsible, responsible, responsive to mm. is fucking electricity. God they the will respond and, and send a signal you know, a neural signal to the brain of the animal or whatever Mm. in response to changes in electrical potential of fish. So these are down around the mouth, not up with the eyes. So underneath the fish, right? Underneath the ray. So picture this little like ambush creature hanging out Mm. on the ocean floor, covered in sand. You can't see, can't see them. All of a sudden they feel a little tingle in there.
0: Their spidey sense tingles. Their
1: spidey sense, the ampullae of Lorenzi tingles. And they're like, oh, fish nearby, tent. (laughs) Boom, crash, done. God damn. Fucking I wonder, do,
0: in your research on electroreception, did you find if spiders have it? Because maybe that's the origin of, of the, the spider sense.
1: No, I found something I read, I think cockroaches potentially can, but I didn't see anything okay. about spiders. Bees and cockroaches were the two kind of like insect land creatures. Yeah. Okay. Platypus, um, that, that could do it. Um, but yeah, you know, and you kind of you maybe you're like okay cool they can sense electricity how does this help them find fish well it's like nerves my guy yeah, nerves muscles. right like our bodies or our bodies and and fish and like we have electricity running through us we have electrical charges and electric mild electric fields around all of us.
0: I was gonna I was about to say I just had a whole little train of thought there go of, ride that train. so that must mean we're pretty, where we have a level of inefficiency, right? If enough electricity is leaking out of us rather than staying in the circuits. But then my mind went back to physics classes of if there is a running electrical current that current that induces a magnetic field, just mm. all electrical currents have a magnetic mm. field around them. And then just that magnetic field of itself would be picked up, I would assume by that, right? Or at least generate its own electrical current. Picked up by what? the electrical receptors of the ray.
1: Yeah. I think
0: like we're not just leaking electricity. There's just electromagnetic induction going on because we have electrical currents mm. running through us. And that is how we are giving out electricity. It's not like we're just losing electricity through our bodies. No, That's and just I mean- how electromagnetism works.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, You know, we utilize it very effectively to send signals. Because, like, Mm. you know, you can even go back three steps and just be like, okay, hold on a second. Like, what the fuck even is electricity, right? Like, you're talking about electricity. Electricity is literally just the movement of electrons, right? Like, that's that's what we define electricity as in its most simplistic way, right? Yeah. And that's how our nerves propagate signals. It's how we get things to the brain. It's how all of that happens. And there's just yeah, a change in charge between, you know, these movements of electrons that are happening within living creatures that are not grounded, which is a really interesting thing in that plants don't necessarily quote unquote leak electric charge in the same way that humans do because of the root system and how it goes down. It's kind of grounded in the earth. And so you don't have this change in potential between the earth's electric field and the human's electric field. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) Um, but all you really need to know is that, yeah, fish, crustaceans, things living things that stingrays like to eat mm. have an electric field that surrounds them constantly. And
0: that's how they're able to and, detect us. Yeah,
1: and sharks do it as well.
0: Sharks um, do it as well. Sharks
1: do it as well to hunt prey. They can ah. they can sense they get their little shark tingles and then munch.
0: Are there many other fish species that do it, or is this kind of like a um a case of the sharks and rays common ancestor both possessed this and that's a trait that stayed with them specifically
1: um as far as the information i could find it's definitely been most researched in sharks and rays yeah um and there is very definitely the potential that there are a lot of other marine creatures that have this ability and we just haven't researched it yet Mm. because that is just you know
0: There are a lot of fish in the sea, as they say.
1: And as I feel, like I say, every episode, science is an ever-growing, ever-evolving field. And, you know, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. Um, And so there is almost certainly so many other creatures that have this ability that we just haven't figured it out yet. But we know for certain and that sharks and rays do this and that they do it via this common mechanism They sharks have these ampullae of Lorenze as well like in, yeah. in these mucus pores around their mouths and that that's what the electrical that's what you know when they started doing electrophysiological experiments in the in the 60s you know they you, you shoot an electric current at this receptor and you see that it responds and you're yeah. like oh cool well fuck it responds to electricity that's fucking whack. All right.
0: So the bottom Damn. feeder's one the bo- the bottom feeder's do this. Do the filter feeders do it as well?
1: The manta rays? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I didn't I didn't
0: Cause I wonder then like Check, with the filter feeding eight. sharks, like if, if normal predatory sharks do this, do they do the, the filter feeder sharks, the whale sharks, do they do that as well?
1: I don't know. I genuinely do not know. Um, in terms of the stuff that I wrote down about the difference, you know, just to jump all over the place, like we always <laughs> do jumping back to like the difference between stingrays and manta rays. Yeah. Main differences are manta rays are bigger, manta rays. Are the filter feeders, so their mouth is at the front. Manta rays live about double the lifespan of a stingray, so they really? live about up to 40 years, whereas oh, stingrays live 15 to 25 years, depending mm-hmm. on the species. Um, and manta rays don't have the stingy barb, which we'll get yeah, to. Yeah, I was don't gonna worry. ask that. I was wondering do if do not sting- worry, yeah. we will get to talking about the sting of the stingray. Yeah, um, cool. But yeah, um, in terms of, yeah, I didn't find anything that specifically said. Manta rays don't do electroreception. So I cannot confirm nor deny, but I do know that stingrays and sharks do it via this similar mechanism. But I want to bring us back to fucking stingrays, Matthew, because that is what I want to talk about. Not these, I mean, manta rays, manta rays are gorgeous, gorgeous creatures, but I'm hyped about stingrays because that's what I saw. And I want to just, so talk about the fact that like, yes, okay. Their mouth is on the bottom and their little electroreceptors are on the bottom near the mouth. Their eyes are on the top. And I mentioned kind of briefly before, if you remember, how they have these, I think I called them maybe like nostrils, because that's kind of what they are. They're actually called spiracles because they're not nostrils, but they're nostril equivalents, right? Yeah. Because if you think about humans, how do we how do we breathe? We take in air via two different ways. We can yeah. take it in via the mouth, goes into our lungs, gas mm. exchange happens in our lungs. Cool, cool bananas. We also can take in less air. Mm. But still, if our mouth is preoccupied eating, Mm. for example, or maybe buried on the surface of the sand, (laughs) which, you know, we've got nostrils, which can take in a smaller amount of air, but still sufficient enough for us to breathe and for us to live. And the, the air still goes into our lungs where the gas exchange happens. Now, obviously, aquatic creatures don't breathe air. They, quote unquote, breathe water, right? So they take water in via the mouth or the spiracles in the terms of the ray, right? Um, where the water goes to like the gills, which is where the gas exchange happens. And the gills are on the, the bottom, and that's where the, you know, they take oxygen from the water via this mechanism. Yeah. So this is where the respiratory system of rays are so fucking cool and complicated because they have two separate ways for taking in water. They have nostrils and they have mouths. Yeah. So because and it's because they like to hang out on the bottom of the sand. So normally like the most effective way for them to take in water and get oxygen from it is through the mouth, right? Mm -hmm. They take in big gulps of water through the mouth. Gas exchange happens at the gills. Super effective. Great. Except for, yeah, when they're hunting and their mouth is buried in the sand. So this is where they have these little spiracles on the top. So if you've seen our social media or jump on our social media, I'm definitely going to have posted some of the photos that Mm -hmm. I took of the rays that I saw down in Hamelin Bay. And you can see that on top of their heads, they've got these two little kind of yeah mounds it
0: feels reminiscent of a blowhole for me but yeah which is rays like, aren't mammals they're fish no
1: and so initially like because you know i was down in hamlin bay with with mum, and she was like oh is that their are those their eyes and i was like i'm not i don't think so and so their eyes are up there but they kind of set back but the little things that look like holes like nostrils Mm. literally are right and these are the second way that they draw in water so the spiracles they draw in water that is free of sand or sediment or whatever's you know on the bottom sends it straight to the gills for gas exchange and much like the the nostril analogy which is why i used the analogy Mm. is it's not as effective because of the mouth because you know a smaller volume of water can be taken in through these small holes but it's it's totally fine for when they're hanging out in ambush mode And so they've got, yeah, these two different ways of sending water to the gills for this gas exchange based on whether they're in their ambush hang down the bottom mode or whether they're just like, you know, doing a nice graceful glide through the water and they want to take water in through the mouth like fish yeah. do. Um, yeah. Which I just, I think that is really cool. So
0: no- They have nostrils or no other, on top or of not their many other fish have the separate holes for breathing other than their mouth. Do most fish breathe in through their mouth?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Spiracles. Oh, so it's not unique to rays, um, but mm. it is not common. Yeah. Um, it is another just like quirky little, and if you're looking at them and trying to work out what those bulges on it on top of its head are, yeah. it, it's for that, which I'm just like, I don't know. I think that's really fucking yeah. cool. Yeah. And then before we get to the, you know, you know, the bit everyone wants to talk about, which is the sting part of the stingray. I want to lay one more little fact on you, which is that Stingrays don't lay eggs. They give birth to live young. A fish that gives live
0: birth. Sharks do that as well, right?
1: Good question. Not sure. Not a shark expert, but quite possibly.
0: I'm 90% sure that sharks give live birth and they don't lay eggs.
1: Yeah, well, stingrays, they give birth to live young in litters of about 5 to 13 rays. And then the bit that like, you know, because in my mind I was like, oh, that's cute. And then I pictured like a a mother duck followed by all the, I'm like, oh, I'd love to see like a mother stingray with like all the little baby stingrays. That's not how it happens. Apparently, after birth, the little babies just fuck off because they are born with the instinctual abilities to feed and protect themselves. They're just they're just born self sufficient, and so they're just born live and off they go, and they're just golden.
0: It, it's crazy how many animals have that ability of self sufficiency. Right, humans from birth are so when, useless. When we you, need
1: like a good eighteen years of bloody parental care before we're let out into the wild.
0: But is that not what make? It, I feel like that has some evolutionary advantageousness to it right give it to give us that ability to develop post womb oh, and and do all that rather absolutely. than being, and, kind like know, out of the box that's what you got you know and, you know
1: there's all sorts of different you know and the animal kingdom is vast and there are lots of different ways that i just think it's really cool yeah. especially because it's such stingray, a contrast
0: to what we are
1: yeah a little know? baby stingray can just 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 go just fuck yeah. right off and be like yeah i'm good bye mom and dad mm. or bye mom i guess like because this was the other thing i read there was oh, a, a female stingray in an aquarium, and it, oh, I didn't write it down, so I can't remember where the aquarium was. But essentially, this female stingray was in an all female stingray tank. There were no mm-hmm. males in there, and it hadn't seen a male stingray in two years, and it gave birth. And so, there's now like they're what? researching. So, apparently, it seems like they can store sperm. For like up to like two years, possibly longer, but at least two years, they can just store the sperm for when the conditions are right to then use the sperm to fertilize the eggs and give birth. Okay, that's that's cool. So, you know, you can female stingray, like they've got I didn't write down they've got all these like mating rituals and mating stuff, and I didn't I didn't really go into that, but essentially they can they can do the sexy times. And the mum can just be like, cool, I'll store that sperm for later. Two years down the track, she's like, all right, maybe it's time to pop out some bubs. Yeah. Does that and then the bubs just fuck off. Like it's just well, such how... independent living. We haven't... So is
0: that what stingrays tend to be like? Are they very much independent creatures that just find themselves every now and then or are they more like whales and that that live in pods and families and little social groups and stuff like that because i feel like just hearing about that method of breeding where you can store sperm for a time when you're ready that feels like Mm. a creature that is somewhat solo and lives independently and you're like all right breeding time isn't necessarily the same place and time for birthing time so you breed you fuck off you do your own thing Mm. you find the better feeding grounds and then you give your live birth
1: yeah that's a super good question i'm not entirely certain of the answer to that Mm. to be honest and the whole like this is just the leading hypothesis as to how this female stingray was able to give birth. We don't actually have. that's like a recent
0: thing, right? That's yeah. That's not really been seen before until.
1: Yeah. Then. Um, so it's still very much a like quirky. What the fuck kind of thing. And that's what we think they're doing. Just kind of cool. Um, stingrays can do whatever they want. (laughs) Independent little. Oh, I see why you like them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'll cop that. All right, the bit you've been waiting for—the the
0: the 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 sting part of the Ray.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about the sting part, and let's talk about Steve Owen. Steve Owen. So rest in peace. Rest in peace. Two thousand and six. Two thousand and six. Yeah, I remember when it happened. September two thousand six. I remember when it happened too, and. i was gonna say something and now i'm like this is gonna sound i do i want to say this on a podcast but we're gonna roll with it i remember being because you know 2006 i was like what 12 13 i don't know Mm. i was less sad about the death of steve Owen than i was about the tarnishing of the reputation of my precious stingray (laughs) because i as i said fucking love stingrays and you and, were a and I child was like, so
0: you held more emotional attachment yeah, to I never, I never stingrays watched... as a concept than this man who you never knew yeah well, really. because
1: i never watched like crocodile hunter stuff like i didn't i knew i'd heard of him obviously because who hadn't but I, I, I don't think
0: you'll get cancelled for that statement yeah like.
1: and i just remember being like fuck now everyone's gonna hate stingrays because the thing about stingrays is like this is a very rare thing they are not yeah. Super deadly creatures. They are usually very playful and friendly and not naturally aggressive. And like even when they feel threatened, their primary reaction normally is to swim the fuck away, yeah. right? It's not to do the stinging thing. It's only when they feel like super threatened that they use this barb on their tail. And especially like the whip tail ones, they do this like whipping action around yeah. and fun fact, there have only actually been 17 recorded deaths by stingray, like ever worldwide Steve and I think- Irwin being only the second and most recent in Australian waters since 1945 oh, it was 2006. Oh, Damn.
0: and I think it wouldn't be too out of turn for me to say that Steve Irwin would probably share a similar thought process to you if like he wouldn't, he wouldn't yeah. have wanted him. And I think his family spoke about this mm. after his death and stuff is like, they wouldn't want don't that be to be a thing of like, like, don't be mad at the stingrays. Yeah. That was, it was, you know. The
1: unfortunate, cause so what happened with Steve Owen is that unfortunately it was just one of these freak tragic things mm. where Sting, the barb. Because it just so happened that the one that Steve Irwin was, you know, um, you know, hanging out with and, and, and around at the time was what's called a short tailed stingray, which I think is a super misleading name for what is actually like the largest stingray in the world. One of those like wingspan two meters and like the little barb on the tail, we're talking like a 20 centimeter barb that kind of comes off the tail. And like, these are serrated barbs that have all these little like, um, what's it called? Spines, like these little spines coming off it. Um it got him in the heart. Yeah. And as soon as you get a 20 centimeter steak knife (laughs) that also happens to be venomous, by the way. Oh,
0: they're venomous. Yeah, I'll
1: get to that. But 20 centimeter venomous steak knife. But it was it wasn't even the venom so much that was the issue. It was a 20 centimeter steak knife. He got stabbed in
0: the heart. Like
1: it you know, it just was you know, because most most commonly the injuries that come from stingrays are if you step on one and it'll whip up and it'll get you in the ankle or the foot, you know, sometimes it can get a a vein or an artery and that can be quite dangerous, but it's, it's more likely going to be an injury than it is going to be fatal. Yeah, It's very likely not going to be fatal and it's going to hurt a fuck ton because of the venom. So yeah, they're not just giant and sharp. They are, well, and able to be like the tails can move with such velocity. Like that's yeah. the thing. It's like a whip. Like a real A whip. <laughs> a, a whip tail. Yeah. Really rapid, fast stabbing thing. But the barb, like I said, are covered with these tiny like flat spines, rows and rows and rows of them. And then on the underside of these spines, they've got these little grooves which enclose these venom secreting cells. Mm. And so normally these these whole things are enclosed in essentially a skin, right? An epidermis, but like, yeah, a, a skin that when the barb gets plunged into the victim, whether that be a, a person or, mm. you know, a something that the like a predator that the ray is trying to protect itself against um this this skin gets like ripped apart and and the venom gets like plunged in and often the barb doesn't break off but some of the little spines do and if some of the little spines do then the venom stays in there longer though fun fact if the barb does get ripped off um it's not like a a bee sting situation where that's gonna fuck up they can actually grow back the barbs and they, they grow them back at you know a very slow rate a couple of centimeters what sort of
0: toxicity are we talking about with the venom is it the kind of venom that'll kill you or the kind of venom that'll just make you hurt a lot
1: it's the kind of venom that'll cause pain but it won't it's not the venom that's going to kill you and there's not actually currently an anti-venom for the stingray venom the way that you first ate it and the way that you treat it is actually with hot water. So if you've been stung by yeah. a stingray, you, you chuck your, your stung limb or or mm. whatever area into hot water and that reduces the pain. And it's really interesting because there's, there's a lot of debate as to why that works. The yeah. initial kind of hypothesis was that the heat denatures or like breaks down the the venom that's and what so I, it, that's
0: what i had heard was that mm. it was like you know you're, you're cooking it you're the proteins that are in the yeah. venom that cause the bad bad you're you're yeah. like basically cooking it which i think was why i heard that like acidity works or something as well you pour vinegar on it because mm. as we've discussed on previous episodes you can denature protein either through heat or through chemical yeah usually acidity um, but is that false
1: it's Asterisk up for debate, not necessarily false. There are definitely some papers that I read and some things that I read that were like, this is why it works. And, you know, Mm. because we don't really have a better explanation, except that the types of proteins and chemicals that are in stingray venom Mm. and the temperature of water that one could stand to put the injury in isn't hot enough to actually do this denaturing like in order yeah, for the temperature okay. to be hot enough to denature the proteins you're gonna of the burn, venom, you're, you're gonna you're cook your own gonna,
0: proteins. exactly
1: exactly yeah. that's why people that's why some scientists are like that doesn't make sense because if it's hot enough to denature the proteins of this venom then it's hot enough to like do more of an injury to you than the so but it, it does yeah. it is not disputed that it does work in terms of it makes it less painful to put it in hot water. And so, like, you know, if you find yourself stung with a stingray, the the first aid treatment is to place it in water that is hot enough, that you know, as hot as the person Mm. can tolerate for 30 to 90 minutes.
0: I think that's where the... Uh, the the misinformation of peeing on stings, why that was Mm. effective. It's not necessarily to do with the chemical makeup of urea. It's the fact that piss is warm because it's stored in your body. Mm. So the warm water going onto your sting causes it some relief.
1: Which, like, if you're on the beach and you don't have any other warm water with you, like, I guess that still works, right? Yeah.
0: I feel like we can't necessarily condone it, but... You know. Yeah.
1: Um, but that is still like the current leading advice of like first mm. aid advice. If you get stung by a stingray and you want the like painful venomy ouchy ouch to yeah. stop, uh it is possible to have an allergic reaction to the venom, in okay. which case that's gonna be a little bit more fucky and like like, like anaphylaxis go to
0: kind of thing. Or... Uh
1: yeah. And you know, that's the
0: same with bee stings, right? It's technically non fatal unless you have an anaphylactic reaction to it. Um,
1: and you know, some people can experience like nausea, dizziness, but that also might just be from extreme pain because if you get you know stabbed by something non venomous, that's extremely painful. I mean, that's
0: just a shock reaction. Yeah,
1: exactly. Your body, you're going to feel nauseous, you're going to feel dizzy, and so that's not necessarily from the venom itself. That's just from the pain caused by the venom. Yeah, and it's all you know still very as with so many things in science we need to know more because we don't know yeah and like yet, with first but...
0: aid stuff especially like mm. i take first aid every year for work and what we get taught one year is oh. often completely different yeah. than the year prior exactly you know, it's...
1: um and that's why you've got to redo your first aid every yeah. 12 months and stuff is because as we learn more way that we deal with these things we learn better and more effective ways to handle these situations yeah um another risk with the sting is that it can get infected um so often you can you 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 give an antibiotics to make sure that doesn't happen or you're recommended to get a tetanus shot you know there are lots of ways that we deal with this but there's not necessarily an anti-venom but it is venomous and there are you know yeah glands within the tail of the stingray that produces this venom that then gets stored within these cells in in the little grooves of the of the spines but more or less for most people you'll be okay if you get stung by a stingray it's gonna hurt like a motherfucker yeah but you're gonna be all right like you're gonna pull through unless you get stabbed in the heart
0: because yeah that's not the venom that's killing you that's getting a 20 centimeter knife in your heart
1: which you know that's that's massive trauma to the very vital organ that keeps you alive. Maybe don't do that. Like, yeah. which you know, not that. Once again, not that it was his fault. Not that it was the Ray's fault. The Ray possibly misinterpreted the shadow of Steve Owen as as being a shark, which is mm. a predator of the Ray. And you know, it's it's all yeah. Just so one that that those... would be another
0: question of mine is what I would assume is that the sting part of the ray is purely as a defense mechanism from predators. It doesn't use it for its own hunting no. of food or anything. It's no. yeah. Okay.
1: It's, it's a defense um against predators
0: it's not like how a a spider or a snake or a, a wasp uses its stinger where it, it, it would i don't know if a wasp uses it to hunt actually some might but where they use their stinger and their venom to incapacitate prey and then eat them
1: no there's the just... prey the sorts of prey that stingrays eat are like the small fish crustacean mollusks and whatever and their vacuum suction force and the crushing mm. jaws that they have is more than sufficient yeah to obliterate their prey yeah um it's just the bigger scarier predators which also once again their number one instinct is going to be swim away which is why you know often like surfers or like people that surf in areas where like the little stingrays are sort of common that you, you're you taught this thing what's <laughs> it's called the stingray shuffle which is where instead of like stepping through the water you shuffle your feet along the surface mm. so that any rays that might be hiding under the sand that you don't see get kind of freaked out by the, the so thing, you don't and accidentally stand
0: on one and, yeah yeah because okay. if you stand
1: on one the Reflex is going to be whip tail sting into your leg, right? Because if, if they're if being stood on the their shuffle... past,
0: the point of being able to swim away. Exactly. So their only defense option trapped. is attack.
1: Yeah. It feels trapped. And yeah. so it's like that fight or flight, right? And you...
0: if you flight is not an option, I guess fight is the fight only choice. Fight or, or die.
1: <laughs> and but flight is 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 their reaction. And so you do this stingray shuffle to scare off any hidden rays. And generally, you know, you'll be okay. Yeah. And stingrays are fucking cool. yeah so pretty much that's what i have on stingrays and there's just so much more because there are just so many types of rays i just i just think they are magnificent creatures
0: beautiful majestic largely passive and peaceful, and
1: very intelligent as well actually is another thing well which was actually another manta rays coming back to manta rays even though i keep being like this is not an episode on manta rays it's an episode on stingrays but manta rays even more intelligent and one of the few animals that can pass the mirror test which i don't know what if is you've the heard mirror that, test which is some, being able to
0: recognize that a reflection in the mirror is, is not another creature not, yep
1: okay. manta rays can do that stingrays can't but stingrays can do some other quite intelligent tasks mm. they've been you know yeah um
0: which is interesting because when we're talking about like the 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 live birth and it being basically fully formed i thought that maybe the reason humans take so long after birth is to do with intelligence levels and time for our brain to develop but then that kind of just shits all over that idea of they're born live but they're also quite intelligent so I don't know. I'm just making guesses. I have no scientific background
1: in biology. In fact, it was the science I gave up first (laughs) in high school. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and you know, I reiterate, I'm a neuroscientist, not a marine biologist, Mm. but um, yeah, this is just what I read on the topic and I just love stingrays. I think they're so cool. Have we
0: had a marine biologist on the show yet?
1: I don't think we have.
0: We should do that.
1: I'll find one. And I'll rope them in. I'm sure that if is If not thing. to
0: talk about rays, to talk about...
1: Well, no, not to talk about rays. We've already done an episode on rays, but... Well, we've
0: done an episode on sting rays specifically, not the uh, more exotic rays, as as you've reminded me. I
1: don't think manta rays are more exotic, but sure. Um...
0: Yes, but I mean, you, you know what I mean.
1: We'll see. We'll rays see.
0: other than the sting variety. We'll, yeah. we'll phrase it. Yeah. If you prefer.
1: But anyway, I think we should wrap up stingray
0: shuffle along to our listener question
1: (laughs) well done thank you good well played thank you let's do it (laughs) so you know first time listeners to the show or people who haven't listened for a while at the end of every every episode i (laughs) folks i'm a communicator and i can words real fucking good at the end of every episode we tackle a listener question that has been emailed into us And if you've got a listener question that you want me to tackle for you, curiosityrat at gmail.com is that listener is that listener question email. Is that email? Is the email address for the listener question? Gosh, why do I do this as a job? This is anyway. Today's listener question. Um, I'll just read out the email as it came through because I think that is the best way to do that. And this is normally how I do it. And then because there's a few things that I want to unpack within the question itself. So kind of related to some of the stuff that we talked about but not about rays detour so let's just read it hi start of the email hello so when we breathe in the air goes into our lungs and alveoli and oxygen enters our blood bloodstream via osmosis and stuff and things but then we mainly breathe out co2 so like my question is how long does it take for the oxygen we breathe in and absorb with one breath to circulate through our body and come back out as CO2? Because I was thinking about it and that can't happen instantly. Thanks again, Shay. So Shay sent in a listener question before a couple of ones, which is great. And this is a really good question because there once again, my answer, it's complicated. Oh gosh. It's just so complicated. I mean, and that's, that's
0: what I've learned from doing this show for so long is 90% of the questions in science are either we don't know, or it depends.
1: Yep. And once again, it's kind of the answer to this one, the kind of, you know, how long does it take for the oxygen we breathe in and absorb with one breath to circulate through the, our body? Mm. It depends, but we'll get to that because first of all, I want to touch on a few kind of misconceptions i guess in or, or assumptions that led to the ultimate question at the end so at mm-hmm. the start you know first of all just the gas exchange in the lungs i know i, I know it was very kind of colloquially phrased in terms of you know it enters our bloodstream via osmosis and stuff and things i just yeah. want to flag that it's not osmosis um what is osmosis so the osmosis is where water moves between a semi-permeable membrane, so like a a barrier or whatever, to equalize the concentration of gases or whatever. Diffusion is where the gases move. So it's actually diffusion that happens in our lungs. So we breathe in oxygen into our lungs, into the alveoli, and it goes into the bloodstream because in our bloodstream, we have less oxygen than we have in our lungs once we've just taken in a breath. Mm -hmm. So the oxygen diffuses into the bloodstream and the carbon dioxide diffuses out of the bloodstream. Into so is that, the lungs. that
0: just an error in it's um, just, yeah. language one choice? Of,
1: one of those misconceptions yeah. between, you know, I just remember it was a thing that we learned, you know, that I, I definitely got confused about for a while. Yeah. Like what is the difference between osmosis and diffusion? Yeah, And the easiest way to remember it is diffusion is the movement of the actual, the gases, the particles, osmosis yeah. is the movement of the water. So
0: when you say when you're talking about, an, what would an example of osmosis be in the body? Would that be like you drink water and it gets absorbed by the intestines?
1: Um, is that
0: osmosis? Or what? What? Because I'm still struggling to get my head around what it so, is. So, okay, to
1: not give a body example, but just to give like an example where say you've got a container, Tupperware container, whatever, yeah. right? That's got two components, left-hand side, right-hand side. Yeah. The left-hand side, you've got Let's say 50 grams of salt just chilling in there, and the salt yep. can't pass through the filter in the middle. Yep. On the right-hand side, you've got like 10 grams of salt. Yeah. If it was diffusion, the 50 grams of some of the 50 grams of salt would pass across the barrier, and you'd end up with you know 30 grams of salt on each side, right? Because you've yeah. got your 10 plus your it would 50, always 60 try in to total. Equalize out. Equalize out. Yeah. If that filter in the middle, if the salt can't pass through, but yep. you've got water in there, and the water can pass through the water will move so that there's a lot more water. So there's still 50 grams of salt on the left and 10 grams of salt in the right. Yeah, But the volume of the water is going to be a lot higher on the left so that it dilutes the salt. Yeah, So that you still end up with say 10% or 30% concentration of salt on the left versus 30% of concentration of salt on the right. But it's not because the salt's moved. It's because the water has moved.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it allows the, volume of either side of the container to... The volume
1: can change, but the concentration still equalizes.
0: So that way the concentration is equal, but then, of course, because you're keeping that variable equal, it's the other variable that has to change.
1: Yes. So yeah. osmosis is when the actual particles can't move and but the, the, the water the, moves the, the, to the equal liquid. out the concentration. Diffusion is where the particles move to is equal it, out the concentration
0: i know it's a bit nitpicky but is osmosis water specifically or can it be any liquid or fluid
1: uh yeah so it's water being the most common example but no osmosis is is the movement of the fluid rather like the fluid that the the salts or the particles or whatever or the gases are dissolved in yeah. rather than the movement of those particles yeah. salts ions which whatever is why this
0: itself. doesn't apply to the lungs because ideally lungs do not contain fluid
1: yes and no because ideally lungs are not full of fluid but you do actually need a little bit of fluid in there for the gas exchange to happen um but yes it is diffusion that happens in our lungs because not because we don't want fluid in our lungs which like is not a false statement but because Mm. if it was the movement of the liquid that defeats the purpose because the oxygen then just stays in our lungs, right? And we don't want the oxygen staying in our lungs in an equal concentration. We want the oxygen getting into our bloodstream yeah. so that we can transport the oxygen around our body and fucking use it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's very important that it's the actual particles themselves, the gases, the oxygen, the carbon dioxide that are doing the moving. Because we want the
0: carbon dioxide out and we want the oxygen in.
1: Yes. Um, so that was, that was number one, me just being nitpicky in the, in the language of the question, but just because I think that's an important point to get across. Um, the other, the other one was, but then we mainly breathe out CO2, Mm. which is a very, very valid misconception to have. But I want to point out that what we breathe in and what we breathe out, we breathe out more CO2 than we breathe. Breathe in. Yeah. But we don't actually mainly breathe out CO2. So inhaled air Mm. is about 79% nitrogen, about 21% oxygen, Mm -hmm. and about 0.04% carbon dioxide, generally. Depending where you
0: are in the world. Depending where
1: you are in the world, depending if you're breathing into a paper bag, depending on so many factors, but just general what we consider the composition of air.
0: Yeah.
1: Then we exhale. We exhale about 79% nitrogen because we don't necessarily absorb that through the lungs. Yeah. 16% oxygen and 4% carbon dioxide. So we
0: breathe out oxygen still. We
1: breathe out more oxygen than we breathe out CO2. And this is like, this is why CPR works, right? Like if you, if you were just breathing carbon dioxide into someone's mouth, that's not going to.
0: And also I just realized while we were talking about this, if we were breathing out pure CO2, have you ever played with dry ice? We know what pure CO2 gas looks like. It's a very mm. dense, like it it, it has, it, it's visible. It's like a fog and it sinks to the bottom of mm. things. If we were only breathing out CO2, it would be like we're fog machines constantly. Yeah.
1: And so this is because our lungs have this thing, what's called a residual volume. And it's it's air that just kind of hangs out in the lungs yeah, okay. to A, keep them inflated because they are essentially to very much simplify it, but big balloons, right? Yeah. And we need to keep them inflated. And so there's there's always air in there. And it's also mm. a good backup system, right? If you find yourself in a situation mm. where, like, that's why you can breathe in and out of a paper bag and re-breathe air several times or, like I said, CPR or whatever, it's a mm. backup system so that you can re-breathe air a few times. Not
0: in perpetuity because eventually. Dying.
1: Well, yeah, Yeah. Eventually that concentration will continue to change and So on so forth. But this is this is I think why we have evolved to not absorb all of the oxygen that we take in with each breath. Yeah. And also not, yeah. So it's
0: interesting that it is mostly nitrogen that we breathe in and and out. out. I think of it as like a um, air is
1: mainly made up of nitrogen.
0: It's kind of like how you think of, you know, you know, power rate is, uh, simplify it, sugar and salt in solution in water, air is oxygen and carbon dioxide in solution in nitrogen. Nitrogen is that inert gas that is just the container for the more pure shit that we're actually gaining from breathing yeah. in and out.
1: That's one way to look at it. Um, so those were just kind of the little like asterisks I want to bring up in terms of, you know, the question, but then we come to the actual question of, you know, how long does it take for the oxygen we breathe in and absorb with one breath to circulate through our body and come back out as CO2. And then this is where I want to be like, once again, it's very, very complicated because it's not actually necessarily the same oxygen or molecules that we breathe in that then come out as, CO2. It's not the O
0: part of the CO2?
1: Not necessarily. It can. It's part of it mm. sometimes, but it's not the only part. So first of all, carbon dioxide, where does the carbon come from? We're not breathing in carbon.
0: I would assume us, right? Because we're carbon creatures. It comes carbon. from
1: the glucose we eat.
0: Yeah, okay. So glucose
1: is, you know, C6H5O mm. whatever. I should have sure. looked up. Glucose <laughs> is... I'll
0: take your word for it.
1: I can't remember the exact... Huh chemical uh thing for mm. glucose but it, it's carbon hydrogen and oxygen yeah is glucose so we eat food mm-hmm. and our body needs to you know we as we all know the mitochondria is the powerhouse <laughs> of the cell and like so why the fuck do we call the mitochondria the powerhouse of the cell it's because it's where we get glucose and turn it into the form of energy that our body and our cells actually use which is called ATP, adenosine triphosphate. That's not important, but it's a very complicated process where the mitochondria turns glucose into ATP or this form of energy that our body actually uses. And this whole process costs oxygen, which is why we need oxygen. It's like, you know, something that you spend halfway through a very, very long and complicated that I could spend seven hours and a million years talking about the Krebs cycle and all the very long process that happens to get from point A to point B. But essentially this process takes in glucose, takes in oxygen and results in two waste products, carbon dioxide and water, H2O. So some of that O2, some of that oxygen that you've breathed in actually gets turned into the waste product of H2O and you piss it out. Yeah. So some of the air that we breathe in or the oxygen that we breathe in gets pissed pissed out. (laughs) And some of the oxygen in the carbon dioxide that we exhale comes from the oxygen in the glucose.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Right. And so like plants then do the opposite process where they, you know, use photosynthesis to take carbon dioxide and turn it into, glucose and then oxygen is the waste product which we then breathe the circle of life Mm. and how we relate to plants is is beautiful but yeah so that's where first of all i'm like okay it's more complicated because it's not just a case of we breathe in oxygen somewhere in the body that oxygen gets turned into carbon dioxide which we then breathe out um it's an ongoing process that's very much more complicated but the other element to the question was you know we jump
0: to the other end element of the question could i in is that why or one of the reasons why we breathe more when we exercise because we are burning more fuel, thus consuming more glucose, therefore creating more waste of carbon, therefore needing to breathe out more, as well as requiring more oxygen to perform whatever Mm -hmm. strenuous activity we're doing, meaning we're needing to breathe in more.
1: Precisely. And that's why, you know, if you want to break it down with exercise, you've got anaerobic exercise and aerobic exercise, aerobic Mm. exercise being like anything that goes for longer than, you know, 90 seconds, because that's when you start needing oxygen Mm. in the process to help create more of cardio basically we kind of have like a 90 second supply of this this atp this energy that we can use Mm. and that's anaerobic exercise where you don't necessarily need more oxygen but Mm. then yeah you you need more fuel you need more whatever and you were spot on in Mm. saying you produce more co2 and so you breathe out more Mm. because that's actually the trigger a lot of people don't realize it's when you're like holding your breath and then Mm. you suddenly gasp for air it's not your body being like shit i need oxygen it's actually your body being like shit, I have too much CO2 and I need to yeah, get rid of it. That's okay. the trigger for breathing is too much CO2. And that's also why, you know, when you're hyperventilating and stuff, the whole breathing into a paper mm. bag and breathing in air that has a higher concentration of CO2 mm. can help with that because it's actually the carbon dioxide that regulates our breathing rate rather than the yeah, need rather for than oxygen. the oxygen. Um, It just so happens that in doing so, It it serves both purposes. It gets rid of the waste Mm. CO2, but it also gives us the oxygen that we need for this process, Um, which is cool and very complicated and fun. The human body is crazy. (laughs) And once again, this, this, I could do a whole bloody podcast on respiration, both at the lung level and cellular respiration at the mitochondrial cell level. But yeah, then the other element of the question was the one of like, you know, how long does it take for the oxygen, you know, to... So let's, let's work with the assumption that, you know, yes, okay. It's not the same oxygen that necessarily comes back out as CO2, but there's still a question of how long does it take for oxygen once it hits our bloodstream to first of all, reach the cells in our body. And then second of all, get from the cells or the CO2, sorry, to get from the cells back to the lungs to be exhaled. Like how long does that take time-wise? And this is where it's, so the first part of the question, I'm like, it's complicated. And now the second part of the question, I'm like, it depends. So, cause once again, it depends which cells, right? So obviously cells mm. that are closer to, you know, the heart, cause once it gets to the bloodstream, it's the heart that pumps things around and that's what's responsible for it or closer to the lungs. Those are going to, the oxygen's going to reach that sooner. And the carbon dioxide is going to get removed from those and find its way back to the capillaries near the lungs and be exhaled quicker. Mm. Right, compared to like, you know, the cell or the cells in your big toe, which the cells in your big toe still need oxygen and still produce carbon dioxide as a waste product. But that's gonna take longer for the blood to travel down there and travel up. So first of all, it depends which cells depends on the size of the person, right? Mm. Because you gotta travel far and whatever. And also depends how good your heart is, how powerful of a pump it is and you're you know how much of an athlete you are and you know there are so many factors that that determine how long this thing takes one source that i found if you want just like a ballpark just to like satiate that like but give me just give me an estimate one Mm. source that i found said about 45 seconds on average for the blood to circulate from the heart around the body and back to the heart again yeah um, so, so yeah,
0: I guess it is dependent on the vascular system because that's how the body transports yeah. the shit gained from the respiratory system yeah. around the body that they, they both, work in conjunction. Yeah.
1: Capillary action, sucking the blood through, but mainly because we've got a big old pump in the middle of our yeah. body that
0: Which if is you why get stung that by a stingray, uh, aerobic pump. Exercise, as you said, um Gets that your heart r- rate up as that's well. That's why it's called cardio, right? And yeah. that's um, why it makes you breathe lots because, because respiratory and cardiovascular systems so are so intertwined. Just, because yeah. the
1: reason you need your heart rate to increase is to circulate the blood more to get that extra oxygen that you've inhaled from your increased breathing rate mm. around the body more effectively. And so it also, yeah, it depends if you're exercising or not and your heart rate has increased. It's obviously going to be quicker. But generally, on average, you know. Yeah. It's, it's like a 45 set. Like our body is very quick and efficient and, but yeah, like I said, it's not necessarily the same oxygen molecules and it's a complicated long process and lots of shit is happening and bodies are cool and whack. And that, yeah. is, that is my answer to your question, Shay. Bodies are cool and whack. And it's an interesting question. And it's really cool. Yeah. That you were thinking about that and thinking about, you know, how that all happens, but yeah.
0: I think it's good to break it down as well because I think just with limited knowledge gained from school and how much of that image is mm. maintained we have a people by and large have a very simplified view of how it works which is good and important if mm. if you don't because it's complicated and it's hard to go in depth well, with that but it's good to extrapolate a bit of how those systems actually work.
1: Well, I mean and and all of like you know most of this knowledge that I have on how cellular respiration works and on you know it is all from doing physiology subjects and exercise physiology subjects Mm. at university as part of my undergrad. Like, yes, I did a neuroscience undergrad degree, but I did do physiology subjects and stuff. And that's where I learned about, you know, and the residual volume in the lungs and how all of this stuff happens. Like, I feel like you get a very, very basic taste of that in high school. But the actual details of how it all works is stuff that I didn't learn till university. And then once again, that's the whole kind of ethos and reason why I do this podcast and why we do this podcast is because I want the knowledge that my precious little hex debt has, has spent <laughs> an awful lot of money on getting me access to. I want to share that with yeah. people for free because I feel like knowledge should not be kept And mm-hmm. this stuff, you know, should be accessible and people, if they want to know how the body works, which Shay clearly does, which is amazing. And hopefully other listeners to the show have appreciated Mm. this question and this answer, because I think it's really fucking cool to just know just the, the, the amount of complicated shit that needs to be going right. That you don't even think about, like, yeah, you don't even think, on a very surface level, you don't even think about breathing, right? We just breathe in, breathe out. And that's an automatic process, but you don't think about the extremely complicated process happening in every single cell in your body and every single muscle cell and every single skin cell and every single everything. So many processes constantly just happening without your conscious control. And it's all just going right. And we're just living and existing as a result. Like it's, you know, Something Fuck.
0: specific that blew my mind as a kid when doing basic biology in school was the idea that like how urine is made, right? Because mm. I, I would just think, oh, I kidneys. would think, you know, it's it's the same as, you mm. know, like, you know, when you eat food, you understand how the digestive system works and there's like a clear path that that solids go through and absorb stuff and then it comes out the other end. But urine, you drink water and then like everything that you piss out that ends up in your Mm. bladder has to have circulated around your bloodstream it's not just like the digestive system a direct path from mouth to butt it's not a direct path of mouth to bladder that like it has to get absorbed through the body go around the bloodstream then enter the kidneys in like Mm. a particle molecular level and then that gets turned into a liquid and then that's what you piss out so just the idea
1: i could do a whole hours podcast on the kidneys and how you know that whole process because about seven different things and seven different processes have happen just within the kidneys in terms of like extracting water, putting it back in, putting waste in, putting waste out, like, you know, Mm. and getting to the point where piss is piss. Like,
0: yeah, it, it, that's just the complexity mm. of what is we consider to be a basic human function is insane.
1: And it's like, sure. Sure. You don't need to know that in your day to day life, unless you're like a urologist or whatever. Like, you don't need to but know. But isn't it just so fascinating? But gaining a, an appreciation of yeah, it just
0: of your body and how complex the systems are. It's something like, you exist in every day.
1: Exactly, and you know, for me, you know, if I if I get up and I do something real fucking stupid or I make some dumb error, mm. and I'm like, God, I'm a useless human. You know, as mm. as we all have moments of thinking sometimes. I actually find it then stop, but it helps to stop and take a step back and be like, you know what? I did this really dumb thing this morning, but look how much my body's just done right for me to like be here, alive, breathing. To do the dumb thing. To... Yeah. Right. Like, and this is, this is why I was drawn to neuroscience because like you go to the brain and you're like, holy mm. shit, like the, the, the shit that has to happen in the brain for us to just experience and perceive the world and interact with it. Wild, absolutely wild. But you know, I'm not here to. Actually, no, I am here to rant about how cool <laughs> the human body is, it's uh, quite and how cool stingray bodies are, and how cool nature is, and how cool the world around us is. And I love it. I love science, <laughs> guys. I, once again, hi, I'm Kate, and I'm a science enthusiast. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and look, with that, I think that brings us to an end for this particular episode. So, once again, if you have a listener question that you want me to have a rant about how fucking cool whatever you've asked about is because I'll, you know, it doesn't matter what field of science, I'll find it cool. I can almost guarantee that and shoot those questions to us curiosityrat at gmail.com if you want to follow us on social media and you don't already you can find us on instagram twitter with the handle at curiosity rat curiosity Healed the rat on facebook and just a cheeky little reminder we do now have a patreon as i've said the whole point of this podcast is for this information to be free and accessible to anyone that wants to access it so absolutely no obligations whatsoever but if you do find yourself appreciating what we do and you happen to have a little bit of spare cash flow that you want throw our way because we do put time and effort into creating these shows. Find us Curiosity Rat on Patreon.
0: And Kate, I think you should you should plug your your science Twitter here as well because it's been a bit since you've plugged that. I think you plugged that on your Pint of Science episode. But oh, I think yeah. if people want to find more If you want of, to
1: find me and some of the other yeah. science stuff that I Because do. you're doing
0: SciComm stuff outside of this podcast. Oh, I, I think absolutely if you're a am. fan of this podcast, you should, you'll be a fan of the other things Yeah, you do. if you
1: want to hear me talk about my actual research in addiction, neuroscience rather than stingrays. Um, and you want to find, you know, some of the, if you're a scientist yourself and you can read some of the jargon laden papers that we've published and stuff, you can find me at Huckstep Kate, uh, on Twitter as well. Um, but you know,
0: and if you want to find me, that, that's a shame. I don't have an online presence other than this show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I certainly had fun. It's been a real blast recording and being able to like actually, actually talk to you face to face
0: rather than over a Zoom. Zoom. I mean,
1: it's face to face over Zoom, and we've lived in a pandemic for however long now. that Zoom is just the norm. Ah, me. But it hits different. But like, this has been real nice. It's been it's nice. Been real nice. Been real nice. No. Nois nice. nice. And with that folks peace the fuck out <laughs> Bye bye kill the mac kill the
0: audacity
1: <laughs> kill the mac